This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast and it's brought to you by Anything Is Possible, AIP.media. And I'm sitting here with a very large smile on my face because we got a win at the weekend and I've been thinking about that day for <laughs> ever since Saturday when I went up there and I came back and we did the train and we had a drink and there's all sorts of malarkey that was going on but it was all good fun as it was, and the Bees got themselves three points up at Norwich. We had a good old sing-song. The players really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. My chums around the table here really enjoyed it, and we're going to talk about that in this podcast. My name is Billy Grant, and I'm sitting here in the virtual joint with the man, Laney. Laney, how are you? Yes, I'm very good. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was as you said, it was uh, a relief. Uh, we'd forgotten what it was like to win, and uh, it was a really good day out. I had a cracking one we'll talk about the, the whole day but yeah it was it, it was a it was an interesting day from start to finish and I, I thoroughly enjoyed most of it that's right and uh we've also got Ali Mullally in the house Ali how are you uh yeah I thoroughly enjoyed Saturday as well it was really really good to get the three points almost forgotten how it feels when we when we get get a win fantastic but I'm a bit fed up because I've got Covid now but and I'm bored but apart oh. from that I'm all right <laughs> oh no no well, hopefully, like I said, you'll be up, back and running. In fact, if anything, it's probably timed just right because it was timed yes, straight indeed. after the game. Yes. And you'll be back for the Burnley game from what I can yes, hopefully. Fingers yeah, crossed. There you go. There you go. So listen, we've got plenty to talk about on this podcast as well. Like I said, we're going to go back and have a review of that Norwich game. We'll talk about that Norwich game as well. Also, we're going to look forward. We've got a massive game again on Saturday. We've got Burnley coming to New Griffin Park. So we're going to talk about Burnley. We've got Burnley fans in the house going to talk to us about their team as well. And another that, of course, we've got Will the Spreadsheet Winker is going to be giving us a bit of uh, stats on the on the podcast this week. You know, we banned the stats from last week. I banned it. I was, I was not happy with them at all, actually. They weren't doing us any good. And I think maybe banning us uh, for a week, actually, before we did just the business. So we thought, now that we've banned it, let's just have a little peep and see what else there is. And also, we've got JB in the house as well and JB is going to be giving us some facts and some funk he likes a bit of uh well 
hat-trick facts and funk. But anyway, just coming back to uh, what's been going down this week. Um, what's taking what's, what's, what's taking your eye, Laney? Uh, the B team getting through to the Middlesex uh, Senior Cup final. I think it's. I think that's the name of it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah so is, it, yeah. is that the is that the second year in a row? Is it the third year in a row? I can't. I can't remember actually. I know that there's two finals: the London Cup final and the Middlesex final, and they've they've got through to quite a few of them in the past yeah, few well, years. Well, we? we've got little. We haven't got much excuse, have we? You know, we're the we're the premier kind of. Uh, sort of uh, team in it and our B team should should be enough to to beat the B teams of pretty much anyone else so it's it's not it's not a surprise really but it's all it's good isn't it because uh it's probably a game that a lot of us will go to you know we don't get to see the B team that often um if you if you're a, if you're travelling up and down the country bill like most of us are every week <laughs> you're travelling um travelling up and down, up the, and country. down the country <laughs> you 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 probably you know you, and it's 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 very expensive so doing a midweek a B team game is is, is not always on everyone's menu, so I'll 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 be a glory hunter and go to the uh, go to the final. And what I'll say, I mean, there's a couple of things. The final is against the fake bees as well, so it's the real bees versus the fake bees barnet. I don't think the venue's been mentioned as yet, but what I will say to you is that most of the teams that we do play, they're actually not we're not playing their B team, we're actually playing their first team. So that's why it's been a test for the B team because they have to go and get out against these teams who really, really want to win the cup. And so that's why it sometimes is quite blood and thunder and if you remember last year during covid um all of us i think we all went down to to henwell town to go and see the b team participate in the final against hendon which they didn't win in the end as well but it just goes to show you but the, the the hendon fans were really happy weren't they ali yeah they were very very happy i did one of them tweet something about one of our players being in his pocket and all that sort of stuff it got a bit tasty as well afterwards didn't it? <laughs> yeah they were very happy has childish but you know football childish <laughs> football so banter it's, it's alright but it's football childish isn't it you know well it's not all the time but some of the time but anyway what else has been happening uh, I'll tell you what we, we, we're going to mention this in the, in the Norwich game but I think we'll mention it now as well because there was an article in the Times about Ivan Tony, and uh, he likes to put the ball in the back of the net from the penalty spot doesn't he lady he does, and he's he's quite good at it. Apparently, um, he's not he's not missed one for for. But I don't want to steal um, I don't want to steal um, JB's thunder. But he, he he's 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 a, he's craft is is almost perfected, and uh, you know Thomas Frank has described uh, Ivan Tony as the best penalty taker in the world. Now we all know that he will miss one at some stage um, because that's just life and that's just football um, but so far it's been a 100% record and it's, it's, it's incredible Be, very rarely have I ever uh, as a Brentford fan seen someone step up as a, as a penalty taker and just been supremely confident you know you obviously think right is this the one he's going to miss but he's got no appetite for it his, his, his skill and it's his not down to chance his, 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 he obviously spends hours and hours practicing that um, and he's, he's perfected something that very few others can 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 do. So uh, yeah, um, I, I, I hope we uh, see his perfect run continue for forever. Yeah, I mean, and and the article, as it says, it says Tony is spot on. He's now scored all sixteen of his penalties since joining Brentford, and they show a little uh, a little graphic as well as to exactly where he places the penalties. And uh, like I said to you, it looks like two, four, six, eight penalties are placed on the left and eight penalties are placed on the right. 
most of the penalties and, and most of the penalties are sort of kind of bottom left except for one which is sort of kind of middling left and then all the other penalties are bottom right except for one which is middling right as well so I don't know if he kind of sits there with his like you know with his protractor and his ruler you know on a Friday night and sort of says right this is where I need to put the next one I need to sort of make sure that the diagram is looking equally as beautiful but it is a uh, very symmetrical that's all I've got to say and the first one he scored was Millwall September 2020 um, and then he scored you know 16 goals uh, since then obviously he scored a couple of goals against Norwich in uh, in March 22 but um, Ivan Tony, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty spectacular, early, isn't it? Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 phenomenal, really. When you stop and think about it, especially after the shambles of penalty taking that we'd had the previous season or two, where sort of like we went through a load of different penalty takers, half of which were missed, and it was anyway. So it makes a nice change, but I'm always convinced that he's going to miss. This is the one he's going to miss. I can barely watch it now because he's scored so many. It's sort of like you're thinking, law of probability is going to kick it sooner or later. Um, and I just hope that when that inevitable miss does come around, it's not a crucial one. And I'm sure it will just be one and then it'll go on another run. Yeah, and, and talking about, like I said to you, I mean, the records, Ivan Tony is uh, well and truly at the top of the charts. 16 penalties taken, 16 goals scored, success rate 100%. Then you've got Riyad Mahrez for Man City, 8 and 8, 100%. Corley Rudrow, 8 and 8, 100%. He's Barnsley. Troy Deeney for Watford and Birmingham, 7 and 7, 100%. Harry Kane, Tottenham, 7 and 7, 100%. This is uh, the best over the top two divisions since September 2020. Then after that, you've got Bruno Fernandes, who's he's, he's, he's taken 17. And he scored 15, or only 88%. So, and then James Ward-Prowse for Southampton, taken eight, and he scored seven, so 88%. Then Mo Salah, I mean, he's rubbish, you know. 14 taken and 12 goals scored. He's useless, like I'm saying. 86%, and it goes down, like, you know. So Jamie Vardy with uh, uh, take 11 taken and nine scored 82%. So, um, like I said to you, I think the most amazing thing is the amount of penalties as well that he or the team has got over that period of time and he's obviously stepped up to take it. So, um, obviously, they're not going to give it to anyone else, are they? Also, I mean, penalties aside, um, he's, that's, put, that's put Tony on nine goals this season and he's, he's, he's level there with Smith Rowe, Cristiano Ronaldo, Kevin De Bruyne, Dennis at Watford, and Bruno Fernandes uh, at Man United, and he's 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 doing all right. I know I know it seems like he's he's spluttered at, at, at certain times, and we're not getting the right service, and we're not getting the right kind of balls into him to be able for him to be at his optimum best. But um, you know, it's it's over the over the nine month season, it looks like he's going to be up there with some incredible names in the game. So you know, Jeff, you know, all power, all power, Ivan Tony. Uh, and, and another stat I'd like to say, and this this hasn't come from JB as well. I think JB will be brewing because he's got different stats to this one. But I like this one. Ivan Tony's the first player since the mid '80s to hit a hat trick in the third, second, and top tiers over three consecutive seasons. He stuck a treble for Peterborough against Rochdale a couple of seasons ago in League One. Then three for Brentford against Wickham in the Championship last year, and then a hat trick for Brentford in their victory away to Norwich on Saturday. The previous case was John Aldridge, whose hat-tricks were Newport County in the third tier in 83-84, Oxford in the second tier 84-85, and top divisions 85-86. So there you go. Nice, oh, bit, of, like nice bit of stat there, Bill. Yeah, 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 yeah. stato. Oh, there you go, actually. JB, move right over. Anyway, listen, 
<laughs> we're going to go back because we're going to talk about that. We can't wait to talk about that Norwich game. You know, normally we're like, oh, no, we've got to talk about the game on Saturday because we lost yet again. But no, we can't wait to talk about the Norwich game. So we're going to go away, go and have a little drink. We're going to come back and we're going to talk Norwich. So there you go. Let's talk about Norwich now. I'll tell you what. We're going to launch, I was going to launch into Norwich and talk about Norwich, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do, actually, because I actually want to really hear from what the fans had to say directly after the game at Norwich, in the stands, in the pub, and on the train on the way home, because some of these are properly hilarious. So check out what the fans had to say, both Brentford fans and Norwich fans, after the game. The game was never in doubt for us. We played a fantastic 90 minutes. There was a bit of a slump there after the first 15 minutes, so the Bees came back, got the, got the goal before half-time, came back after half-time, got those couple of goals over and Tony, I thought the Bees really came on the pitch today and showed that we are not a team to go down. The whole team turned up, put a performance in, and we are so proud, so proud. Fantastic, absolutely brilliant, I'm the Bees! Don't normally like VAR, loving it today, we've had quite a few decisions go our way, how unusual is that? Super. It was a complete team performance. We look a team, everyone's Absolutely. fit, everyone's firing. They know what they're doing, they know their job in the team. We are mighty, mighty Brentford and we are staying up. Incredible, like we've come a long way today. We left at 9am this morning to think we come away with three points, three goals away from home. Incredible, unbelievable, very happy. Uh, I love VAR today, right? But apart from that, um, I don't know, I was overexcited. And I'm going to go and have a beer. We came out, we had energy, we played on the front foot. Ericsson was just class, he was composed. Vitali was, one of, it's the best game Vitali's played since he's come back from COVID. But we had purpose, we had confidence, we're on the front foot, we had energy, we had belief. Bring on Burnley. What a brilliant game. You know, I think everyone really put their, you know, put their foot forward here. Everyone was looking absolutely fabulous. Ericsson, you know, obviously he's brilliant. Pretty much everyone there just looking in form. I don't think I saw anyone here today that I wasn't perfectly happy with. We can do it. We can do it. I know we can do it now. Before I wasn't sure. Now I know we can do it. We scored first, didn't we? Nah, makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. Yeah. And then we, uh, you know, we make hard work of it towards the end. But that's Brentford. It's been. We've had such a good start to the season. It's been a really tough few weeks. And just to kind of come back with three points, look forward to the games ahead, and just be like really optimistic and positive about what we know we can do. For today. All about Ericsson. Doesn't have to be every single ball, but every three or four balls looked so dangerous going forward. Even if they weren't dangerous, they looked hard enough to have be dealt with, and that's what we've been missing. Ericsson and Tony starting, bringing that threat in, make their defenders sweat a little bit, and it worked. Worked today. Obviously, we had Farker at the start of the season, and when, when it came to Farker, he literally only had the, the first... Um, he only had one tactic, I reckon. Um, and like, I respect him so much, Farker. I be has a great career and everything like that. Um, but when it came, when we're losing, there's nothing there. Like, there's nothing off the bench or anything like that. We spent 60 mil this year. Um, I think we've invested wisely because you got to bear in mind, like, we are a yo-yo club. I reckon we're, we're going to go down. Let's face it. In my lifetime since I've been supporting the club, we've been promoted five times. Four of those occasions, and I include this season, we get a relegated first time. That is embarrassing. You are a smaller club than us, and I love Brentford. You played like, I, like Benham's been amazing at you, and, but you are so much better than us. The way you play football is phenomenal. Benham has done amazing. Frank has done amazing. You play the perfect blend of good football with athleticism. It's really lovely the touch for the for um, 
the support for Ukraine today, and that was lovely from Norwich, and um, yeah, it was great to be part of that. Uh, we, I mean, it's just ridiculous at the moment, but um, no, it was a fantastic game, and um, it was just like you say, it was lovely to see a comfortable win. And um, I, and once we score the first goal, we look comfortable. So and it's great to see this atmosphere on the way back home. Loving it, loved loved it today. Oh, just, you know what? That's true, limbs. I mean. We, we've come home and away uh, for the, most of the season, and do you know what I mean? It's just great to celebrate. You know, it's, it's we, we, we've been up and down the country, and you know, it's not been an easy time. But but you know, I mean, just, you know, we've been up and down the country. It's not been easy. Uh, we've been to Liverpool, Man City, uh, Arsenal. Um, we should all be proud to support Brentford today. We need to get two or three more wins and we're there. We're a third of the way there today. It's a massive win. It's a massive day out. It's a massive relief. So there you go. Brentford and Norwich fans. And uh, they've been up and down the country, haven't they, lady? Oh, very much so. Yeah, been up and down the country several times. Definitely. So, listen, there's a lot of happiness there. The Bees fans, I mean, it was just, honestly, there was, it was like it was like going to the Star Wars bar, you know what I'm saying? Because it, it, there was just complete transformation. People just lost their minds after that game. Quite literally, there, there was a lot of malarkey that was going on in between the, the pub afterwards and then on the train on the way back. It was just, it's just quite madness, actually, as well. And also, if you check out, I would say, besotted.com as well, um, Radio 5, I got sort of looped onto the, uh, what's it, the... Uh, uh, the, the Football Daily podcast on BBC Radio 5 as well, as well with Carlton Cole. Uh, and uh, I can't remember who else was on there as Nigel well. Nigel Rio Coca. That's right, Nigel Rio Coca as well. So I was sitting there chatting about the game, and I had a few. You know, but I'm still trying to keep it professional. But, you know, I had a few, so I was very excitable and very excited. And also, you know, I went toe-to-toe with the Cole who was actually trying, I think he was sort of jabbing at me, trying to get a few little jibes out, especially because he wasn't happy because we had beaten West Ham earlier in the season. So go and check that out on besotted.com. It's a, a podcast, it's one of the BBC podcasts there. Or go to BBC Sounds app and you can actually find that from last Saturday or last Saturday stroke Sunday. I think it might come out on Sunday. Football Daily Podcast. But listen, lady, the day out. Norwich normally, mm, sometimes it just doesn't go according to plan. We've only beaten them once, I think, um, at their ground. So normally Norwich is a bit like, mm, not the best day out for us. But that was a right laugh, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I, we found a cracking pub before the match. Uh, and Norwich is a, is a lovely city, to be fair. Um, it's, it's actually quite easy to get from the station to the ground and back again. So as, as an easy day out, I mean, getting there is, is a bit of a faff, isn't it? You know, you have to get either to Liverpool Street or Stratford. Um, and it's, it's a fairly slow train. But, you know, on the way, we, had, we, got, we got some nice beers. And on the way back, we had some decent beers as well. Uh, and everything in between. And obviously the game... You know, if you win an, win an away game, that they are special. You, you never ever tire of winning an away football match, uh, if you, especially if you had a, a really long day out and there's a journey at the you know the back end of it. And you and me, we went out for a couple of drinks when we got back to Liverpool Street as well. So, you know, it's it was it was one to be savoured. Um, so was it a third third away win of the season? Um, and was it there? Was it a fourth? Norwich. West Ham, Norwich, and Wolves. Um, that's only a third, isn't it? Yeah. I can't think yeah, another third, one. Third, yeah, third yeah. away win. Um, another, another. I mean, I, that's that's where I'm at as well. Is it was just the relief of of seeing points back on the table again, knowing that we we can compete, we can get 
what we need and, and it's probably only a couple more wins we need really um, if we, as long as we don't lose to, to Burnley if we can get a, a, at least a point against them keep them at arm's length and uh, uh, yeah it, it gave us a little bit of a swagger back um, you know, we weren't hemorrhaging defeats week after week which we have done recently Now I'm just going to ask you I mean, let's, let's just go to the game itself I mean we can come back to the day out itself I mean, let's just talk about the game itself I mean the first half um, you know I'd say that because that, you have to remember that obviously we hadn't won for quite a few matches we hadn't won since the, I think it's the second of January so we hadn't won for two months okay so we you know regardless of what's going on we're going to be going in this game fairly nervous you know we've got to go out there and get a positive result um, you know Norwich in the first probably 10-15 minutes had a, a few sort of kind of half-stroke quarter chances where you know if they went horribly wrong the game could have turned out to be a little bit different for me what I thought the difference was is David Raya. Um, David Raya just basically was very commanding and you know whenever we made I mean I think we had um, Ethan Pinnock made a mistake where he passed the ball directly to the Norwich players they went on a counter-attack and in the end you know the counter-attack was snuffed out I think it was by Raya you know so if that situation the ball had gone in the back of the net it could be a very different situation there so I think you could see you know our team is obviously built on particular players in our side performing to a particular standard and if that doesn't happen you can actually see that our sort of standards drop quite quickly and we can actually get ourselves in the mire so I thought Raya really kind of helped to sort of solidify our position in that game didn't he Ali? Oh yeah absolutely I mean I hate to put hate to sort of like single out individuals sometimes but I, you can't help feeling that if Raya hadn't been in goal that we would have conceded the first goal in that first 10-15 minutes he was I thought Raya was superb I think he really looks like he's back to his best so he was a little bit, he was understandably a bit rusty when he first came back in, made a couple of errors, but I mean, distribution, shot stopping, command of the box, I thought he was superb actually. And, you know, that, that whole, for me, that whole whole result was, was built on Raya being rock solid at the back again. Um, so yeah, yeah, so I think he was brilliant. And the first 10, 15 minutes, like you said, was crucial and he kept them out. Yeah, I mean, and then eventually, I mean, we, we, we you know, we were, we were well in that game. We started to sort of command that game. And then when we got that goal, I mean, Laney, just tell us the feeling. Yeah, it was, it was excellent. I mean, it was a, it was a really good delivery from Ericsson, a really good corner. Um, and Aya got a flick on Tony, stolen at the back post and, and, and smashed it home. It was, it was actually, you know, you say it's an easy finish, but... It, it, you know, it could have it could have it could have hit him somewhere else. So, you know, I know that's his bread and butter, I guess. Um, so yeah, it, it gave us um, something to build on. Again, we didn't go behind in the game. We, we've gone a goal up, and I, and I think that psychologically, that's that is so important. We've not done that for for oh, I can't remember the last. I think time Everton we at home up. was the last time. Was that the last first? time we went first? Yep. Yeah, and that was you know that was a VAR um, assisted penalty. Uh, penalty decision as well. And then yeah, after. Uh, you know, in the second half, of the, the, the the VAR penalty, um, where Pontus gets gets his head almost gets decapitated, and then the, the penalty that came almost straight after that, um, and then the fourth goal that VAR ruled out. Let's not forget that you know that was it was millimeters in that one. That that could have been four up, um, and I think it. Could, I, I feared the worst thing for Norwich. It could have been more than that. So you know, 
VAR, VAR was was uh, had an impact in the game, but not not to the level where we didn't deserve what we got. I, I think I think um, even without VAR, we, we fully deserve to win that. It's just uh, it's just nice that some sometimes that those electronic decisions go go your way. Um, it's, 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 we, we're going to need that. We're going to need ju- it's called justice, really, isn't it? Because it, it helps you get the, the right decision, and the right decision was it, they, it was a penalty. Yeah, I mean, looking at the match, you know, Norwich, where they were strong, they were effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities from long-shot situations. So, you know, the fact is that Norwich did actually have some some chances. They did opportunities. It was just, they, you know, they just they didn't score enough from them as well. You know, they were poor at finishing, they were aggressive, and they gave a lot of free kicks in and around the box. Where we were good, we stole the ball a lot from them. And also we created opportunities from skill as well and also from set pieces and we were strong at finishing you know especially the penalties we were very strong you know what I'm saying we were aggressive as well caught offside often and we gave away a lot of free kicks around the box which seems to be a problem of us we still seem to sort of give away a lot of free kicks I mean but the fact is that you know for us that is a good you know that is a, a good thing you talked about Christian Eriksen delivering in the free kick late or oh, sorry the free kick the corner Laney which actually got us our first goal the question I'm going to ask you though is that because that corner came in Went to Aya. I had a nice little flick on him, and it literally just landed on the feet of Tony, who just slotted it at the back of the net. Do you think that was a textbook um, um, uh, set piece from the from the from the training field? Uh, yeah, I do, hundred percent. Because if you watch, if you watch after they score, Aya turns to Ericsson and runs straight to Ericsson. The two of them run straight at each other to celebrate. So it was obviously it was obviously planned, absolutely hundred percent planned, and it came off perfectly. It was good to see Ericsson uh, do 90 minutes. It, it is that's that's going to be so critical for us. He's only going to get stronger. I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves. He, he didn't have it wasn't the perfect 90 minutes, and no one's pretending it was. And he's getting stronger and stronger, um, and he's getting the strength back in in his legs. And and I'm sure that he's kind of testing himself as he goes along. But 90 minutes uh, is, is where we need him to be. And he was just almost like that, you know that that quarterback kind of role wasn't he? he was being thread to him and he was you know pinging off passes and it's, it's it, it, got, it was there was the first signs of what we hope is going to bring us that extra bit of quality to get us over the line and you know against Burnley which we'll talk about later that's going to be incredibly important where they're going to they're going to pack the defence and we're going to need to be able to unpick them and it's a player like him that can produce that bit of magic I thought it was, can I just say, I thought it was quite interesting because he played, Ericsson played in a much deeper role. I mean, I never saw him really play for Inter, but a much deeper role than he ever played for Spurs. He played a lot further forward for Spurs. So it's interesting because you quite often see, like, if you think about, you know, going back a few years, Perlo, people like that, you know, these sort of players who move into, like Dave says, like Lady says, the sort of quarterback role. And... Um, it's interesting to see if we'll carry on playing him there rather than further forward. Well, maybe the decision's been made, you know, intelligently that it's not mm. his speed on the wing that we we can't rely on that at the moment. But and we probably no, don't want no. him being that speed freak. We we want his experience and his quality, and that's what he can do. So dropping deeper is is absolutely yeah. perfect for us. It's, it allows yeah. it allows us to get some width, and it allows us uh, allows Tony and, and Bumo and then Josh De Silva hopefully to to get into positions where he's going to be able to. To pick the passes. 100%. Yeah. It worked really, really well. It worked really well. 
Yeah, and, and you're talking about picking the passes. I mean, uh, say a lot of the people there that weren't at the match, you wouldn't have seen the extended highlights necessarily. You've just seen the, the highlights match of the day. So they probably might have missed out on some of uh, his, uh, basically his play, his passing play, you know, the way that he seems to be able to pick out a player and play some sort of kind of really quite intelligent passes across the pitch. Uh, and also his confidence on the ball as well. You, you could just see that. And I, th- and, and I think, was it Thomas Frank that said that, you know, but it's something that I mentioned on the podcast last week where I said, you know, it was either this podcast or it might have been BBC or something like that where I said the thing that I hope and I think is going to happen is to, um, Christian Eriksen being in our side will basically make the players have a little bit more belief because he's got a lot of experience and if he can actually kind of give them and just some of that experience can rub off on them and just say to them listen you know you're all good players you know you're playing alongside me don't worry let's just go along let's just have a little bit of a laugh and let's just play football together and I think we saw a little bit more of that or quite a lot more of that at Norwich where you know we were for a start, we were uh, a little bit more ambitious, you know, than we have been of late. And maybe part of that ambition is the fact that you know Norwich are a team that are beatable. So if, if you know if you're not going to be ambitious against a team like Norwich, who have you know one of the worst defensive records in the country, then who you're going to be? But you know the thing about it is that once you have that ambition and you start being successful against a team like that, then it allows you to come out against other teams, you know, whether or not it's Burnley or whether or not it's maybe Leicester, which I think we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks' time. But I think that could be the little. That could be the little one which maybe might give us a little bit of a surprise where if we can get a few results and start playing the way that we want to, I think the Leicester game could be the little surprise one where we might get something out of that game that people might not think beforehand that we get something out of. I just want to just quickly just come back to just looking at this game, looking at sort of the straightforward stats. Um, Norwich had 15 shots, um, 13 in open play. Uh, a couple of set pieces we had 10 shots with four in open play and four set pieces so they were you know they weren't quiet you know i'm saying they just weren't very effective um is this a is this a worry if we start playing a team who is probably slightly more um efficient in the way that they deliver the ball into the back of the net um ali uh yes obviously um but the defense has looked more solid uh the defense has looked more compact the um, we're not hemorrhaging goals the way that we were hemorrhaging goals. Um, I think Ray is commanding the box uh, increasingly better at every game. He's, like I said, I think he's probably back to his best. And of course, it's going to be harder with teams that are more clinical. But I, th- I think we're probably in a position to deal with that now. And also, the huge thing that comes from from Saturday is confidence. You know, uh, you know, having not won in eight games to to win a match, win it well. Um, just breeds so much confidence and it was interesting coming back to the Ericsson point um, I saw an interview with Pontus today when he was saying you know he's not at his best yet but he just him just being there because he's a world-class player it's just it just lifts everybody else up so uh, yeah I, I, of course it's going to be harder and of course it's more of a worry and there's going to be teams that are more clip far more clinical than Norwich were but I think we're in a far better position to cope with it than we were three four weeks ago I don't think you can extrapolate too much from the Norwich win. I mean, we had to go out there and beat them, and we did that. And I don't necessarily think that, but you know, you're right. The confidence is the important. The three points are the most important. The confidence is the second most important. But then I think you kind of reset Saturday, Burnley, such a different game, 
Um, yeah. And, you know, it's just almost like, right, park Norwich, right, refocus Burnley. How are we going to do that? And we've got to do that for the next couple of games. And there's also another couple of Ericsson points we have to, have to mention before before we move on completely, is that, that Brandon Williams incident where... Um, when when Ericsson kind of loses the ball, really wrestles into the ground, and then um, Williams almost t- starts to take retaliation, realizes it's Ericsson, and just gives him a big cuddle. <laughs> it's uh, it was like that was you know that was an incredible incredible thing. I mean, like, yeah. that was only to, only through TV that you saw that in real time. It just you know you, you can't you can't see that from where we are in the stands, but it's, it, was, it's interesting. it was great to see. And it's interesting, just talking about that, it's interesting to see the Norwich fans' um, um, opinion on that, you know, and, and then commenting on that because they're really unhappy. I see Norwich fans going, oh, typical Norwich. Oh, look at us. We're so nice. Like, you know, Brandon Williams, why did he go and hug Ericsson? Oh, you know, that's so typical Norwich. They just, you know, they just, they, they haven't got any edge to them. Like, you know, which I thought kind of like, you know, hold on a second. You know, what happened in that incident? isn't going to be make or break to you winning or not winning the game. So I think it kind of just probably goes to show you how fans take any... When you're on a down, you take any any incident to try and kind of sort of make it and yeah. show it's the reason and why I you're bet, not doing I'll bet you every single one of those fans that was griping about that incident, every single one of them would have asked for his autograph if they bumped into him outside the ground. <laughs> yeah, so, so absolute hypocrites. <laughs> <laughs> and the second thing you were going to say, Lainey? Um, I've forgotten. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's my fault. That's my fault, isn't it? You said there's uh, there's two things, but basically two things merge into one because one thing was actually the most important thing, and it's talking about players hugging each other even in the midst of the strikers. You weren't going to talk about the Ukraine scenario before the game or anything like that, was it? No, no. Well, we, as you mentioned that, now we ought to. Um, uh, it, it, that was that was um, that was really good to be part of I, I don't think it was a particularly incredible um, showing um, but um, what, what more could we do um, it, it, it just sort of uh, crystallised there was something probably well not probably something bigger going on in the world but uh, you know life has to go on here while, while it can um, I just hopefully obviously like everyone else it doesn't escalate into anything more than it is at the moment and we can get some peace but yeah it was good to see the whole Premier League um, the whole of football Giving, giving the Ukrainian people um, our support and knowing that we've, there's unity there for them. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and for me, and I sort of mentioned it, I think, probably on the post-match podcast as well. For me, it was a game that worked out perfectly well because, as you know, my daughter was playing in the semi-final at Gunnersbury Park, which typically was about two minutes from our home ground. And obviously, we were playing away on that day and I was gutted. Kickoff was 10 past 12 and the team before us had penalties before. So the kickoff ended up being 20 past 12. So I ended up watching the match uh, she scored a wicked goal from 20 yards which I was very proud of as well like you know then I had to scoot off when they had the game all sorted like you know what I'm saying had it military precision Gunnersby Park taxi booked taxi picked me up took me to Acton Town got to Acton Town managed to get there for the train on the train got a few beers was watching the game you know it's just funny because I had my phone and all of a sudden this, this Brentford game just popped up on the phone I just don't know how that happened but uh, I managed to watch the game on the train on the way down uh, watching a few beers so I saw everything that was happening as well when Brentford scored literally I was jumping up and down the aisles of the train they must have thought who's this lunatic here you know in a Brentford shirt when the game's happening over there jumping up and down on the aisles and everything like that and then I, like I said I got off the train started to walk through town I saw a Norwich fan coming towards me with his kid on his shoulder it was half time I actually got off the train and he was walking with his kid on his shoulder and said hello mate have you had enough and he went I've had enough mate this is absolute garbage like you know and he just sort of walked off and I thought blimey like you know so he, he was on his way home at half time so actually I got in for half time and I saw all the action 
all the mm. goals, the, the, the penalties that we scored, the disallowed goals, the VAR, the full Monty. So uh, it was a very, very That's successful. Not, not very loyal of him. We were only one nil down at the time, weren't they? So you know, know. walking out at half time. And the other yeah. thing, can I just one stat? Right. Oh, yes. Brentford played twenty eight games, one seven. That means we win one in four. Doesn't it seem yeah. so much lower than that? Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Does. It seems like one in a million. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Uh, so, so anyway, so talking about stats, anyway, we're going to go over to our resident stats person. We've got Will Alsop, otherwise known as the Spreadsheet Winger. He's going to give us the lowdown on the Norwich game. Spreadsheet winker. So let's have a think about the Norwich game then. The Bees created 2.44 xG, 1.6 of which was from penalties. So even aside from the pens, we deserve to score at least once. Tony's first goal was a 45% chance, larger than anything Norwich created in the entire game. Their largest chance came from Rashka in the second minute, forcing an excellent save from Raya at 27%. It was the first time that we created more than one XG since Crystal Palace, and the first time we created more than two since Man United. The defence wasn't too leaky, with all the Norwich chances aside from Rashka's below 13%. They had a large quantity of small chances, which our defence dealt with well. 85% of B's XG came from three shots, the two penalties and Tony's goal. This was the absolute definition of a clinical performance from Tony. The cumulative probability he scores three from those three shots is just 29%. So there you have it. Will, the spreadsheet winker. Will Alsop giving us the lowdown on Norwich. And what I'm going to say there, actually, is that, you know, look, to, we, we, we created a lot of chances, but to be fair, we did have two penalties. Like, you know what I'm saying? So uh, other than that, like I said, uh, Ivan's goal... The third goal that he scored, big chance. But other than that, it was a few little chances in and around the edges of the area. So uh, we were effective with what we recreated. Uh, and Norwich did have a few chances to score, like I said to you, in the area. Um, but I think defensively, I think for us, I mean, we, they, we were, somebody was going to be, go on, go on, it's got to be a clean sheet. We've got to get a clean sheet. We've got to be letting a goal. And it was 3-1. I actually said on the Talk Norwich City podcast, and I think on this podcast as well, I thought it was going to be 3-1 Brentford. And I think it was more kind of like hope more than anything else. Like, you know, so does, in a way... Does, I was, the, um, does the, the goal, the disallowed goal, does that that's wiped off of all XG? I think because, it is. Because, yeah, yeah. because yeah, there's about, we had about seven XG in that one five minute, five seconds, oh. wouldn't we? It's so like yeah. three three blocks and then one yeah. went in. So, yeah, that's okay. Right. Yeah, so you've got that as well. And also, if you get any opportunities, any chances that you, your strikers don't actually get, so they don't actually connect with, even though they might be fantastic chances, I don't, that, that, that doesn't get clocked either. So, you know, like I said to you, there's slight inefficiencies in the way that it's recorded So and, and to see how close a game may or may not be. But, you know, I think defensively, I think we could be proud of ourselves. And yeah, Timo Puki, he was actually, I mean, he, was the, he, he took the most shots in the game and he finally got the goal that he was uh, he was going for like I'm saying so uh, listen we've got to give ourselves that but I think we did a excellent job I think we're very happy with that we had a really good day out uh, we could clock Norwich off whether or not we'll be going back to Norwich again next season or not that is a big 
question mark. I thought the Norwich fans were very, very respectful in the pub after the game as well. Again, we talk about Norwich fans and we talk about fans who are championship type fans. 98% of them are always respectful and you could have a good chat with them and they, they talk to you on a level and they came up to us and they said, you, you are much better than us and, you know, you know, fair play to you. You're going to stay up and, uh, you know, we hope that, you know, you carry on doing what you're doing because we, we like what you're doing, which I think, which is fair enough. Like, you know, and it's not blowing smoke up our asses. That's just being truthful which is which is all good but um yeah which is all good but anyway look you know we've got jb in the house and jb is actually going to give us some facts and some funk some hat trick facts and funk jb what you got to say Hello, Jonathan Birchall here again. At Norwich, Ivan Tony scored our 10th hat-trick in the top tier, and the first for 85 years. Dave McCulloch in the 1930s scored 6 of those 10. Ivan's was of course a hat-trick including 2 penalties. On average, 1 in 8 of our league hat-tricks include a penalty, but only twice before has it included 2, Patsy Hendren in 1926 and Jim Towers in 1959. We've never had a player score a hat-trick of penalties. The closest was Stephen Hunt in a 4-0 win against Brighton in 2003, when he scored two, but had the third one saved. In our first 28 league games of last season, we had two players taking home the match ball, Sergi Canos and Ivan Tony, with seven other occasions of players scoring a brace. The last one of those was Joshua Silvers at Reading last February. Since then, we played 45 league games, with no one scoring more than a single goal in a game, until Ivan broke that run. The most unique double penalty scorer in a game in Brentford's history was in a Southern League game against Millwall in 1909 at Griffin Park, when both penalties were scored by Willie McIver, who was also our goalkeeper. So there you go, JB with a hat-trick info. Do you like that info, Laney? Yeah, he did us proud today, didn't he? He's, uh, he's on top form, is JB. Yeah, he is indeed, indeed. Pub on each corner. Like I said to you, JB, after he was in, he was in the pub in each corner in Ireland. I think in each corner of the island, island country. I think he's in Galway, Cork. You know, he was in Dublin. He was all over the place last week. JB, no wonder we couldn't get any sense out of him because he was all over the place. Like you know, <laughs> but check him out anyway. Just check it out on the old. Um, just go in the information box and you can find out exactly what we're talking about. His book, Pub on Each Corner. Um, which was talking about the time that he went to the pub in Ireland, which was last week, and he wrote it quickly on the plane on the way back and put it up on Amazon. I'm talking nonsense tonight. But anyway, <laughs> yep. I'm going to forget about talking <laughs> <We're> about <changed. laughs> And I'm going to move on because, listen, you know, we're going to talk about the Burnley game. We've got Burnley coming up on Saturday. It is a huge game. It's going to make a massive difference for both our teams. We both need three points massively, or should I say we both need six points massively because it's a big six-pointer. We're going to go away, have a few drinks, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk Burnley. So, big game Saturday. Getting ready to get down early to New Griffin Park because... uh, this is a big game and also it's a game that we're familiar with. Burnley, who are in the championship with us for many years. And so we're very familiar with them. We've played each other enough times. And like I said to you, we're similar type teams in the fact that we, we understand each other. And these are the games that, in a way, I'm sort of 
very comfortable with or more comfortable with playing them than I am playing Manchester City, if you, if you know what I mean, where you can be going around chasing shadows. So like I said to you, we've got Burnley, um, but this is no underestimation of Burnley because we did go up there earlier in the season and uh, it was a bit of a disaster, it has to be said. You know, Not only the journey on the way up, we've talked about this loads, rail replacement service, replacement trains. It took forever to get there. There was kind of snow and rain and it was kind of horrible and nasty. It took five hours to get up there and then we got there and trying to find something to drink. And then eventually we got on the ground and we got absolutely smashed to pieces by Burnley who play, who, who turned into Barcelona for the day, actually. They really did. I was like, well, what's going on here? You don't want to play football like this on the floor and down the wings and all this pressing and all that kind of stuff. And then we got smashed to pieces, but we put our hand up and said we got beaten. And then we came home and it took us about five hours to get home again. And then we went home and thought, oh no, we don't want to do that again. But, um, and after that, I thought Burnley, I, I thought if they played like that every week, they're going to they're gonna be out. They're going to be out of this. They're, they're going to be mid-table, you know, or even top half the table. But I don't think they won another game for about another two months after that. It was ridiculous. So, it, was uh, longer, it was longer than that, Bill. Yeah. They, it, was their, it was their only win up until fairly recently, wasn't it? They, they've, only, they've only got three um, like Norwich. wins now. Yeah, um, Norwich have got four now. Mm. Um, they, yeah, so I mean, you know, they played us off the park that afternoon. You're right, but you know, they're they're, they're kind of not they're not. I wouldn't say in a false position because they're they're not. You know, they they lost at the weekend and they lost um, against Leicester on last Thursday night and they are last Wednesday night. Yeah. So so the the games that they had in hand, um, they're kind of evaporating. They have to they have to now win them now. They're they're one point one game less than. Uh, leads and two behind us so they, they have to win them both to, to catch us up so it's 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 you know we, we've said about games in hand is it is it worth having the points on the board or the games in hand and it's clearly the points on the board isn't it so um yeah the, the, that that's that's evidence that you've you've won the points that's and that's right and you know and, and, and like I said I've asked this question before but I haven't sort of really got an answer for it because I've sort of kind of sort of I've made a presumption that is the case but Obviously, these games being so important and playing these, you know, playing these teams, you know, so important when you play these teams at the bottom, and obviously us having such a good start to the season, it sounds really silly. But do you think that these teams like Burnley, like Norwich, you know, like even Newcastle when they did, literally raise their game when they play Brentford because they, they, a lot of them don't get the similar results that they do against us. You know, I mean, a lot of people I know they're saying, "Oh, Brentford are rubbish," but I don't think it's necessarily a case of just Brentford being rubbish. Do you think they actually literally? raise their game I think you take Newcastle out of the equation now because the, the whole the whole takeover thing has changed that completely um, I think that's a, a whole different ball game for where Newcastle were will be played at St James's Park although I absolutely agree they did raise their game against us that day I think for anybody it's sort of like it's, it's really weird because you do see other teams who are down there raise their game against us where we seem to quite often not raise our game against the teams that we should be beating and raise our games against the teams that we're not going to beat. You know, the Liverpools and Man Cities of this world. So um, I think Norwich did when they came to our place. They weirdly didn't at all um, on Saturday, but that's possibly because we didn't... That's probably quite possibly because we didn't let them. Um, I think uh, Newcastle at St. James's Park did, like I said, they're a different team. And the red, the red card the, the other weekend makes... You can't really judge that game at all. Um, but, yeah, I, I think there is a case that other teams do raise their game against just because they want to prove a point that they're better than us, that they think they belong more than us. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? it, it sometimes it's just us not, not turning up. I don't think that Norwich game at home we turned up 
Um, I don't. I can't comment on the Burnley game because I I didn't go to the wet, cold north of Burnley because I was on holiday. Um, so it's a difficult one. It's, I think it's it's a little bit us not raising up, keeping our game at a higher level against the so-called smaller teams as we do as we have been doing against the Liverpools, the Chelseas at home. Laney, I mean, just coming back to where we're at the moment now. We've got Christian Eriksen back in the well, in the fold. You, we've got, I mean, Justin Silva is still out. Okay, so the next game is going to be an interesting one as to how he will slip in. So we won't talk about him at the moment now. We've got our defence who, in general, they seem to um, they seem to be doing all right, actually. You know, the defence seems to be doing very, very well indeed. I'm going to ask a question. You know, going into this, this, this Burnley game, obviously you're feeling a little bit more relaxed than you would have been two or three weeks ago. But, you know... Where do we need to be on our guard? Well, Burnley are just—they're just so savvy, aren't they? You know, they—they—they're so well equipped to, to turn us over on Saturday. You know, they're—they're they're, be confident. Um, it—it yeah, it, it does concern me. Let's not get it wrong. I mean, that's why I'm not going to get so much higher because of the Norwich game. Norwich game has given me, you know, a shot, the shot in the arm that I wanted so we, we could have a good day out and we could all be smiling. But Burnley, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a war of attrition, isn't it? And are we, are we cut out for that? Um, Ericsson's not going to be, um, you know, at his, at his optimum because he's not going to get the space. They're going to be trying to shut him down um, and they're, they're going to, it will be horrible. It's going to be a horrible game. Um, but, you know, we just have to hope that we can create the quality to, to unpick them. Yes, I mean, just let's cut, look, look, let's just coming back to Burnley, you know, where they're good. Aerial Jills, they're very good in the air, and also stealing the ball from the opposition, they're good as well. Where they're weak, they're finishing scoring chances, defending against attacks down the wings, very weak at keeping possession of the ball, avoiding offside, and defending against long shots. Their style of play is long balls. Attempted crosses often. Also, they attack through the middle, play wide, take a lot of shots. And uh, they basically, you normally know who's going to be playing in their side. I mean, you know, their recent results uh, make us, you know, I would say feel a little bit warm. But their recent results, I mean, they had the Tottenham win or the Tottenham loss. Tottenham beat them 4-0 the other day. And they were just down and out on that one, weren't they, Ellie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've had a couple of shocking results recently, having looked like they were... They were going to do their 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 annual pretty much get out of it towards the you know look like they're going down and then get out of it and they've had a couple of shocking results lately but you know it's like like you can never ever write Burnley off never they'll be and they'll, they'll be quite happy that they'll get in our I don't think it was Tottenham was it it was no it was Chelsea it was Chelsea they sorry they beat Tottenham that's what I'm saying yeah, in the back of my head. they beat Tottenham but yeah. they got they got they got beaten by Chelsea they got beaten by Leicester. As well, and they they got beaten by yeah they got beaten by Leicester, but then they got a good result against Brighton, you know. Yeah, you're thinking of the Tottenham Leeds game is the one you're thinking. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. Um, which gave me great joy. Um, But yeah, you you can't. They have had a couple of shocking results lately. Um, um, The Spurs result was obviously a good one for them, but you could never ever write you write Burnley off at your absolute peril because they will just come and they will be in our faces. They're the sort of team that we hate playing. They know how to play us. They they know how to get to us. And yeah, I, I agree with Lady. I think it's going to be a horrible game. It's probably going to be decided by one goal. Lady. Yeah, um, we know what we're going to get, don't we? Um, we were surprised, weren't we, up at obviously a turf more because they 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 
played some really good football. Um, but uh, it's yeah, I, I, I dread to think. We just have to make sure that we don't concede first. And I think you know, I'll take a point now. I really would. It's just really we, a point is all, it's not as obviously clearly it's not as good as a win, but. It, it negates that fixture and it keeps them, uh, you know, six points behind us if we if we get a point. So, you know, for me, I think that would be, you know, a point would be really good. Three points would be incredible. Um, and you know, last weekend we had the full we had the full house, didn't we? We won. Everyone else lost. And then apart from Newcastle, who I don't I don't rule out of being dragged back into this. Um, they they've got some tough games coming up, and you know as we saw at our place, they're not they're not that good. So um, you know they're, they're they're only a point or two points above us, aren't they? That's right. So uh, yeah, you know no, no one's out of it, but we just we just got to concentrate on getting something out of this match because it is a it's a it's a it's a tough one. Yeah. I hundred percent hundred percent agree. It's it's a, it's it's the most important thing is not to lose it. We, obviously, you want to win it, but not to lose it is the important thing. When we went to, and again, I remember that game very well. And like I said, I keep tipping me hats to Burnley. You know, I remember uh, Maxwell Cornet, uh, the player who surprised us, but he was, I thought, he's absolutely fantastic in that game. You know, and he, he had a, he had a marvelous game, scored at least a goal, if not a couple of goals. I remember him scoring at least one goal as well, and they were all raving about him. Chris Wood obviously um, was playing for them, but <laughs> but he, the big money came from Newcastle, so he's not there anymore. Um, but they've got the Veghurst, who's come in actually over from Germany. Uh, as well so the Veghurst has come in who came in at half the price that they sold Wood for so I think they bought him in at 15 million and Veghurst has come in and uh, he, he scored a fair a few goals actually when he first started so a lot of people were going hold on a second here this has been great because the Veghurst is uh, he's been he's always he's almost been a bit of a surprise signing and I think the word that a lot of people are saying is that Burnley actually um, they did all right in the transfer window they, they they got rid of the player and got the money for him but actually they sort of proactively actually got a striker in who actually can get the balls in the back of the net and uh, some people are arguing that the Veghurst may be even more dangerous than the Chris Wood and this is what we need to be careful of in it Laney. Well we have to be careful of um, Aaron Lennon as well mm. he seems to be in really good form yeah. Um, I've seen him create and score a couple of really good goals recently, and I think his his kind of um, attacking threat has has been kind of part of their couple of good results. As I said, the Tottenham win and the Brighton win, um, and we know that Jay Rodriguez is he's, he's got goals in him, um, and so yeah, and this you know Weghorst is is someone who who, who is is a tool. He seems to be he seems to be uh, you know the, the kind of player that we were looking for when we uh, we got like the Nick Prosvich in and stuff like that we were looking for like a, a big lanky target man um, he seems to be that he seems to be a nice bloke as well so um, yeah I just hopefully uh, as I said we can just keep it tight and uh, just grind something out indeed so listen um, so we've been chatting about Burnley here however we need to go to someone who knows a little bit more about the Clarets than we do let's go to Joe from Turfcast He's going to give us all we know about the Clarets. Hello everyone, Joe Rebin here from the Burnley podcast, the Turfcast podcast. We are of course a podcast, a YouTube channel, a fan channel, if you will, covering all things Burnley football. If you want to check us out, just search Turfcast podcast on all your social media channels. And if you are interested in an interview with Ian Wright, who you may or may not know ended his playing career at Burnley, we interviewed him a couple of years ago, just before COVID hit, and that is, of course, in both podcasts and, I was going to say video format, it is basically just a podcast recording on the YouTube channel, so you can find that on there if you want to hear more stories about Ian Wright's time at 
Burnley. Uh, but let's get into it. Describe your season overall is the first question that I've been sent. Um, do I have to? <laughs> uh, it's been poor. It's been poor, hasn't it? Let's be honest. We are on the brink of relegation. It's looking a lot better than it did a few weeks ago, thanks to a couple of wins against Brighton and Tottenham Hotspur. Um, but we've just been lacklustre all season. You know, we haven't been good enough. We were in a position that none of us expected to be in. I, I say none of us expected to be here. A few fans have said, no, as fans always do. I always knew we'd go down this year. Um, but of course, we haven't gone down yet. We are still within a fighting chance. But of course, Saturday is very, very important for us to be able to get out of that. Um, of course, we can go into that with a bit of confidence after a brilliant win at Turf Moor against you boys earlier in the season. Um, yeah, it, that was our first win of the season. When was it? October? I think it was quite late on in the season. We, we were the last team to win a game, I think. No, that was Newcastle because we gave them their first win around November. Um, so we were the second last team to win a game, I think, though. Um, but yeah, we were fantastic that game. And I remember I work at a popular bookmakers. I won't mention the name in case you guys have any deals with bookmakers or anything. But I work with a popular bookmakers. And they do these things called super odds. And where they choose three teams uh, to put on uh, an, an accumulator boost. Um, and, you know, we'll do a video on it promoting it. And they did a video promoting this one. Like, Burnley, they'll get beat by Brentford. They are, Brentford are just so much better than Burnley. They have just so much more quality. They will easily breeze past Burnley at Turf Moor. Winless Burnley at Turf Moor. So, yeah, I felt quite smug going into work. Um, after that game But yeah we, we were We were brilliant that game You know Maxwell Corner was brilliant I think he only scored one goal But what a goal um, And yeah We were really really good I agree With what you're saying On the question That I've been sent I did think we kick on there And we haven't done I'm not particularly sure why We just seem to be A little bit hit and miss All season Like there's been a few False dawns Like points at Chelsea 1-1 uh, at Chelsea Coming from one goal down, And could have won the game Should have won the game uh, after a Mate Vidra missed a chance um, There's been a few false stones Where you're thinking Right we can really kick on here And that Brentford game Was one of them though uh, So um, Let's hope the recent Upturning performances Isn't another false storm But we are kind of looking That we might be back In that position again After some dreadful performances Against Leicester And Chelsea Which was Pretty much the worst I've seen us play uh, this season But of course I mentioned Maxwell Corner He was instrumental In that win earlier in the season um, He's been class He's been fantastic well, it's, it's kind of like a season turning into two halves at the minute. Before AFCOM, fantastic. Scored some crackers. He scored a really good goal against you boys. Uh, scored a fantastic goal. A better goal, in my opinion, at home against Crystal Palace. A beautiful volley. Um, but even in some games, like the games where he was scoring earlier in the season, he would have quiet patches and then he'd, and then he'd get a goal. So you know what it's like. All's forgiven when you have a quiet patch and you score a goal because you're kind of doing what you're there to do. Um, but his quiet patches are continuing. And he's not scoring goals at the minute. And he's been poor since he's come back from AFCON. Obviously, he went to AFCON to play for Ivory Coast. They didn't get particularly far. Second round, quarterfinals. I can't remember off the top of my head and be perfectly honest. But they didn't get particularly far. He didn't really play in that many games. So, I'm not really sure why he's come back a different player. Um, he just seems like he's not fit. Um, and word from within the club... Um, I haven't even mentioned this in my own podcast, to be honest, because sometimes I get worried that I'll get in trouble with people at the club or people that are telling me this. Is uh, that he does have a foot issue... But he's been sort of like telling the, the staff at the club he's got a foot issue, but the, the staff at the club can't find anything. So 
I'm not really sure what's going on with his fitness at the minute, but you'll be glad to know he has been very, very quiet in this second half of the season. Um, but overall, I'm happy with Corny. Um, we know he's got it in his locker. We know he's got that moment of magic, and hopefully he can bring it back uh, this weekend. Another striker, or another forward, should I say, that we have had at the club uh, was Chris Woody. He, of course, left earlier in the season when Newcastle triggered his release clause. And I'll be honest, at the time, I thought it was a loss for Burnley. I was... I'm not a big fan of Chris Wood, but I was a fan of Chris Wood. I always felt, and I still feel this is the case, that he is such a confidence player. If things aren't going his way, and you know he's not scoring goals, his head goes down, you know, and he he can't hit a barn door. You know what I mean? He, he can't hit a barn door. But then, when he's playing well, he will finish pretty much anything that falls to him in the box. And I do just think it's the same now while he's at Newcastle. Yes, he hasn't scored for Newcastle. I think, what, he scored three goals all season, both at Burnley and Newcastle. Um, so, it's, it's one of them. I think he will get a goal for Newcastle and he will kick on for Newcastle and end up playing quite well for them and, and, and turning into the Chris Wood that they saw towards the end of last season. But, yeah, I thought it was a loss at the time and I do think eventually he'll kick on, but he might not get given that time at Newcastle to kick on, will he? Because they're just going to splash the cash again in the summer. So, they may get rid of somebody if he hasn't scored a goal uh, or hasn't scored enough goals by the summer. Um, but, yeah, of course, we got rid of him for £25 million and looking back, I do think that was a good deal uh, in the end um, because, of course, we brought in uh, Valt Veghorst um, and he's, he came in for half the price uh, and he, for me, is a better player. Uh, the difference is Chris Wood, I would say, is probably a better finisher than Veghorst. Having said that, his finish against... From what I've seen so far, should I say, his finish against Brighton was brilliant and some of the finishes I've seen in the Bundesliga were incredible. He loves a dink over the, over the keeper, um, so if you've got a keeper that comes rushing out, uh, be wary of that. However, he's tried that once at Berlin and it went horribly wrong, but I'm just going off some Bundesliga sort of like goals here. But yeah, I do think he's a better player. He's better with the ball at his feet. He's six foot six, so he's bigger than Chris Wood, but he's actually not very good in the air. If you lump the ball up to him, to him to try and bring it down or to head it on, chances are he ain't going to win that header. But what he does, he's very good with the ball at his feet. So he makes stuff happen, as well as scoring goals as well. He assisted Jay Rodriguez's goal against Manchester United after sending Harry Maguire and Scott McTominay for an early bath with one quick turn. He sent him for a hot dog. Um, and yeah, put the ball through to Jay Rodriguez. So he, he, I think he's a better all-round player than Chris Wood. Um, he just needs to find his finishing boots. Obviously, he's only got the one goal so far. There's been a couple of chances that he missed. Um, before that, to be fair. And he has been a little bit quiet in the last two games as well, as have a lot of squad, because, of course, we've been getting beat. So that kind of is is the situation there. Uh, in terms of other, other players having a decent season, um, not really. And that is kind of where the problem lies. There's been a lot of passengers. Um, there's been a lot of controversy up, up in Burnley this week uh, surrounding Dwight McNeil. I actually do a, 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 a weekly Burnley football club column in a local newspaper called Lanks Live. And Dwight McNeil against Chelsea... Um, he got a lot of stick, and when he was on the ball, fans were booing him. Not 90 minutes like, through, like you know, he had a poor first half, missed a sitter. Then at some points in the second half, he got on the ball and misplaced a pass, and fans were booing him. So I wrote in my article, "This is just not on. You don't boo players while they're playing for the club." Obviously, some people disagree. Some people have the opinion of, "Well, I pay my money. I have every right to voice my opinion if I want to," and that is fair enough. But my um, the point I'm trying to make is it's counterproductive. Uh, and someone used the example of, say, like, oh, if we, you were doing well at work, you'd be told about it, wouldn't you? I was like, yeah, I would. But say, for example, if I worked in sales, I don't, but say if I did, and I was trying to make a sale on the phone, uh, and someone came up to me shouting abuse at the side of me, it ain't going to help, is it? It's counterproductive, and that's the point I'm trying to make. So, hopefully, that stops. Uh, but he's had a poor season. Uh, Tark has got better recently, but he made a mistake against Chelsea. 
Uh, he's pretty he had a poor first half of the season. The midfield's been pretty much non-existent. Um, Nick Pope's still playing well, but Nick Pope's Mr. Reliable. Oh, yeah, he made a couple of mistakes earlier in the season. That's why I went all weird on my voice then. Um, but he's been playing well again recently as Nick Pope. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's not been many people having good seasons. And even, even Maxwell and, and, and Veghorst. Maxwell started the season well. Um, but he's gone. He's gone quiet since. And Veghorst, he just, I just kind of feel like he's done well. It, I just would like him to be getting um, more goals for us. Um, t- to be honest, kick it on from here. Um, but it's weird because we're in this position now where you know we're in the relegation zone. I think we're currently six points behind you off the top of my head because I'm currently sat in a car, so I can't quickly check the league table. Um, but um, yeah, people always say, oh, I think Burnley will get out of it because, you know, they have a knack for these sort of things. You know, they always seem to survive in the Premier League. Sean Dyche knows what he's doing. I mean, Robbie from AFTV has said that to me. You know, Flex from United View he's working on now, isn't it? You know, I'm sure you boys might have a similar opinion. Um, I don't know, though. I'm, I am. Last year I was confident we'd get out of it. This year, not so much. I don't know. There's just something, I just feel like something's missing at the minute for Burnley. Um, if you would push me for a prediction, though, now I'd, I'd still, what, uh, patriotically, that's not the right word, is it? But still defiantly, that's the right word, say, no, we're not going down. Um, but, yeah, I just feel like there's something missing at the minute. Um, and we need to, that's what we need to get back. We need to put bodies on the line. We need to get back to, tell you what we need to do. We need to play what we did against Tottenham. If play like we did against Tottenham and Brighton for the rest of the season, we will comfortably stay up. But then we're too inconsistent. Like, we put in these performances against Tottenham and Brighton, and then we go and put in a stinker against Leicester at home, who hadn't had a clean sheet all season. Sorry, a, a Premier League clean sheet away from home all season. And then they go and win 2-0 at Turf Moor. So, yeah, we've been hit and miss, and we need to, we need to like, be a bit more consistent. That's what we need to do. Um, in terms of who I think will go down, like I just said, I will defiantly say that Burnley will stay up at the minute but I am very very concerned that we might go down uh, Norwich are gone they're 100% gone they were gone when they won the championship let's be honest um, Watford I still think and yeah, I think I think they're gone I think they're gone and I'll be honest with you until Sunday sorry Saturday when you beat Norwich 4-1 3-1 wasn't it I was saying you I was saying you're in absolute free fall you know your form's terrible um, I think Brentford could get dragged into it but I think that that win could well be the turning point. We'll see, but it could well be the turning point. I think it, it might be a flash in the pan if you lose again on Saturday, for example. Um, then you're right back in trouble. But I don't know. I, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be forced to choose somebody right now, I'm gonna go Leeds. Even though I do think they have got some very good players to come back, and I, I kind of think that they might be okay in the grand scheme of things. But if you look at their form right now, um, and the fact they've got rid of Bielsa, who was the best thing to happen to them. Uh, since Don Rever and the new guys come in and lost his first game and not had that new manager bounce then maybe just maybe um, Leeds um, but to be honest with you I'm not bothered who it is as long as it isn't Burnley um, it would be a bigger story if Everton got relegated so that would be you know fun to witness um, but yeah for, for now I'm going to go Norwich, Watford and Leeds but Leeds worry me in the sense that they've still got Calvin Phillips, Liam Cooper and of course Patrick Bamford um, to come back into the team um, How do I think this game's going to go um, You know what I don't really know Brentford that well Since Ericsson's come in I had uh, one of your boys come on uh, My podcast earlier If you want to check it out Please feel free to do so Of course after you've listened To the Besotted Brent, uh, Brentford podcast um, Just search Turfcast podcast On all the usual places And it will be there um, But yeah And the guy was saying that Christian Eriksen sort of like giving you a new dynamic is is sort of like 
he's, he's staying in the middle of the park, spraying passes around, trying to get players running deep uh, with balls over the top. I think we might be all right at dealing with that, if I'm being honest with you. Um, depends how good... We tend to struggle when players in the middle drive our defenders. That's when we tend to struggle um, because we're quite good in the air. Um, so if you're trying to lump balls over the top, and we, are, we do tend to... Um, defend quite deep as well so balls over the top in the air will be a struggle if that's the way that you're going to go but if one of your midfielders can get on the ball and run at our defenders then they tend to you know just run backwards until 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 pretty much we've conceded so that could be um one way that you could you could go i, I think it's going to be scrappy i think i think both teams can be can be quite scrappy uh, both teams i think can fight um so yeah, I think it's going to be a scrappy game, but I think it's it's going to be a typical relegation dogfight. I think you'll be nervous about losing. We'll know that we need to win, but I don't think we'll take the game to you as such um, because obviously there'll be nerves there and, and things like that on our side. I'm, I'm hoping for a similar sort of thing to the Brighton game. Of course I am because that was a perfect away performance from Burnley. I think we were two 0 up at half time and then one three nil off the top of my head. Um, I'm hoping for something like that, but in terms of prediction. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna predict a Burnley win, and that's not a reflection on Brentford. This is a reflection on how big of a game this is for us. And when people always say, like you have as well on on the questions, Burnley have a knack of getting out of these sort of things, and we do that by going to these games that we have to win and winning them, just pulling a performance out of the bag and winning them. I think if we get beat, I think it's curtains. Honestly, I really do, and I think the players will know that. The gaffer will know it. All the fans going down. I'm one of them. All the fans going down will know it. So they'll be right behind the boys. The atmosphere is going to be class in the away end. And I'm just hoping that it, it spurs the lads on. And they've had their head down this week. They know what they're doing. Um, so I'm going to go I'm going to go 2-0 Burnley. Or 2-1. 2-0. I'll go 2-1. Because uh, obviously Tony got a goal at the weekend. Three goals at the weekend. Um, so we might fancy his chances against a defence that hasn't been all that this season. But... Um, yeah, like I said, that's it. Thank you for listening to my um, answers to your questions. Thank you for inviting me on your podcast. Uh, big fan of the Bisotta pro- uh, podcast. Uh, I was saying earlier on to the guy that was on my show, I've been aware of your podcast ever since before, should I say, I started my podcast. For, for a, a podcast of a club of Brentford size, the fact that you have so many followers on social media should, should only be applauded. Because um, I feel like... You know, it's a similar sort of thing with Burnley. I feel like I'm held back a little bit by the size of the clubs uh, in terms of followers. So fair play for you boys for doing so well. I really appreciate coming on your podcast. It's been an enjoyable experience. Uh, And good luck at the weekend, but not too much. But obviously a perfect scenario for me would be Burnley win 2-0, but then Brentford kick on uh, and we both stay up. and, And let's have Newcastle go down, shall we? Yeah, let's have Newcastle go down. But thanks again, boys. And hopefully I'll speak to you next season. So there you go, the knowledge on the Clarets, or Burnley to you, the team up Ooh. in the northwest, who um, normally give us quite a few problems. <laughs> I remember that game when they came down the season they got promoted down at New Griffin Park, the one that Tarkovsky, which we haven't mentioned, went on strike for. Um, there's a lot of toing and froing as to why or should he have not on, should he have should he have gone on strike. Went on strike because basically he wanted a move and we weren't going to give him the move at the time or we probably were going to give him the move but we felt that he still had to play and so we went on strike and decided he didn't want to play which is a bit out of order and that's why he's not very well liked at New Griffin Park because we think you know when you've got the red and white stripes on you should play for the red and white striped team until you're elsewhere. So, uh, But I think if I remember rightly Burnley gave us a right good tonking in that game 3-0. We got beaten and then Tarkovsky we allowed him to leave and then he went off with them and then got promoted and then he was very happy. 
But um, Burnley, will the spreadsheet winker, is going to give us the absolute lowdown on Burnley from the stats front. So onwards to Burnley then. They're winless in three, their last three points came against Tottenham, who they comprehensively beat on XG, despite only scoring from a 10% chance. Maxwell Cornet is still their main threat, having scored six goals from just 2.3 XG, a massive overperformance. Wout Weghorst, aside from having the best name in football, has been interesting so far, one goal and two assists in his eight matches. He only however manages 1.7 shots per game on average, suggesting he's been isolated and is struggling for service as the clear replacement of Chris Wood. In the average match, Burnley create 1.1 xG and score 0.8 goals, so they underperform by about 0.3 xG. Comparing the two teams' attacks and defences over the whole season, the Bees have conceded the first goal in 68% of matches, with Burnley scoring first 31% of the time. However, Burnley also failed to score in 45% of games, so the first goal going to the Bees will be absolutely crucial. So there you go, Will, the spreadsheet winker. I don't know if that's made you feel any more comfortable, Laney. Um, probably probably not, because we just need to get three points, don't we? 100%. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll say it again. It's just getting something out of out of Saturday's fixture is, is all important. Don't really want to come away from that ruining um, a defeat. So, uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm looking forward to the games that follow a lot more than I am, but it's an important one. Yeah, just, just again, from a statistical point of view, Burnley actually are actually overperforming. So their, their league position is actually higher than where they are at the moment now. They're, uh, you know, second bottom on XG, if you believe in XG, but we have to use that because we know about it. Um, but basically, the, the, the chances are they're getting the fewer high-quality chances they're getting, they're actually putting in the back of the net. Now, I don't know if that's due to this style of football that they play, you know, due to their tactics, you know, the, the players that they've got, you know, where guys putting, you know, the, the, opportunity, the, the opportunities that he gets, he's just banging them in the back of the net. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're doing the business. So that's what we've got to watch out for. Whereas, obviously, the Bees, as per usual, we are underperforming. We are not scoring the chances that we are creating as much. And we know this anyway. So the game could be finely tuned here, in it, Ellie? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, it's, it could go either way. Obviously, very much hope it goes our way. Um, I think if we can be more clinical with taking our chances, I think we created a lot more in the last game. Hopefully, we'll get we'll get the opportunity to create some more, and we've we've got to take those chances we create. Because I think we've seen in this league against Burnley or anybody that um, it's the team that take that are clinical with their chances that that, that do well and that win the games. I, I'm with Laney. It's it's one that you, you just don't want to lose. You know, a draw will do. Rather win it, but a draw will 100 percent do. No, and stats-wise, you know they've got us down at 12 percent chance of relegation now which is uh, slightly shorter we were, we were up to 50, we were up to 25% I think it was about a week ago so we're down back to 12% now which is much more less heart fluttering is what I'll say you know um, and they've got us finishing third fourth fifth sixth from bottom as well which is uh, which is nice and 27 points they've got at the moment Norwich bottom you know and what's it 90 90 98% chance of promotion they've got with Norwich and then Watford second bottom 81% chance of relegation not promotion relegation Burnley third bottom they've got 38% chance of relegation Leeds 37% chance of relegation fourth bottom and Everton 31% chance of relegation then there's a big gap to Brentford at 12% so they're looking at basically Burnley Leeds and Everton fighting it out amongst themselves 
for that sort of third relegation spot is what they're thinking at the moment now, which is interesting. And for me, and again, I'm making an observation more than anything else, Everton are the ones that I'm looking at because speaking to my Everton chums as well, they're saying that the atmosphere in Everton is absolutely dire. Obviously, Lampard hasn't won a game in the league. Obviously, he beat us in the cup, but he hasn't won a game in the league. And they said it's absolutely dire. And obviously, they've got problems with their Russian connections as well. So the atmosphere within the whole camp isn't great so they're actually fearing the worst as well so and then they have and they've got some very tough fixtures as well after the next two games apparently so this is quite interesting isn't it lane yeah it's it's not going it's not so going so great for for frank is it um you know once again the, the media seems to have hyped him out of out of um out of the world and made him some sort of messiah there but yeah they're they're, they're, fu- they're fully in it and 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 so are leeds you know leeds looks better in that, in that game against Leicester, watched that in the pub before the Norwich game, and obviously the you know delighted when 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 the goal went in. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's there's teams around us that just are showing no signs of kind of easing away and going, it's all going to be all right. The, the, this relegation um, dogfire, is it a dogfire? But this, this relegation scrap is 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 going to continue. It, it seems because it doesn't look like anyone wants to just put a run of results together. We've got to do that, you know. We we, we do not. We don't need to do too much. Let's be honest. We haven't got to win every single game, but we do need to win another two or another three games, and we just got to concentrate on that one game at a time. We have got a bit of a buffer. It's not a huge buffer, but it, it, it's worth its weight in gold, mate. Right. Okay. So listen. Score prediction, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to go around the table. Ali Malali. 1-0 Brentford. Okay. Pontificating. Oh, pop, pop, yeah, a lot of pontificating there, Bill, wasn't there? Yeah, it was. Mm. A lot. <laughs> yeah, it was Heart like... versus head. <laughs> yeah. Laney. I'm going to pontificate. I'm going to go, hold on, hold on. 1-1. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay, so he's going to go 1-1. I'm going to go 2-0 Brentford. Oh, so so straight on there as well. More confident yeah, there. That's right. So listen. Anyway, I just got to ask a question, Ali. Have you been up and down the country? I have been up and down the country. Yes, very yeah. much up and down the country and sideways and backwards. That's right, Lady. Been up and down the. Yes, country. I, I, I have. I have. Wait, uh, can I say something else? Another stat. Yeah. We we haven't won back to back games all season. Okay. So um, we need to do that Saturday if we can, please. That's right. That's right. So, a positive note there. Uh, <laughs> that's right. So listen, this has been the Besotted Pride of West London podcast brought to you by Anything Is Possible, AOP.media. Don't forget to subscribe to us on all good podcast channels and write us a review. And also buy us a beer on besotted.com forward slash beer. Thank you for everyone who's bought us a beer. Big thumbs up to you. We'll give you a few shout outs in a few weeks as well. Uh, other than that, ooh, I don't know what else to talk about. I mean, I just talked about the Burnley game, actually because we've got the Burnley game on Saturday. Get down there nice and early down to the pubs and uh, support your local businesses down in Brentford. We'll be down at the Globe as we normally do and Paul is, I think Paul's on holiday actually again because he's having a very nice time but you know but we'll be down there actually having a few drinks before the match as it goes as well and we're getting ourselves very G'd up for the Burnley game as it is. But I'm Billy Grant in the house here and I've got Laney in the house. Good afternoon. And I've got Ali Malali in the place. Farewell. That's right, and listen, we're looking Farewell. forward to the game. As you well, said. I, I, hope you, I hope your COVID gets better. That sounds so a bit I. kind of. <laughs> so, that's right. So we've got this place, we've got the Maxwell Cornet, and we've got the other Wickers, and all these characters. Let's hope they keep in the box. We're just saying, we're on bees. We're just saying, come on, come Benny, you bees. you bees, come on, you bees, big game bees, six pointer, come on, you bees, six points. Where's the next day?
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.